Hey, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We believe that this message is going to empower you and encourage you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. We hope you enjoy. Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10 verse 17. We're going to go through a, a scriptural sermon today, verse by verse. And if you have your Bible in your hands, usually... Our Bible versions, they bring this subtitle uh, in our uh, Bibles. And this passage, Mark chapter 10, verse 17, the subtitle of this uh, group of verses is the rich young man. Now, don't ask me why the scholars or the translators decided to uh, give the youth age for this person. The, 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 the text doesn't clearly say he was young. But I believe by his uh, history and, you know, like tradition, they realized this was a young person. Now, I want to start my message with some statistics that I got it from uh, One Hope. It's pretty impressive. It says that 35% bring me the statistics. statistics. Uh, in the United States, about 50% of young people in the United States call themselves Christians, okay? The other 50% is not Christians. Other religion and no religion at all. Actually, the majority is no religion at all. Next slide, please. Uh, now, when we talk about Christianity, and um, I, I feel to preach today to Christian people here, uh, I want you to understand uh, that all that 51% of Christians, it's only uh, 8% of them display these general characteristics of a committed Christian. He says, believe God exists and they can have a personal relationship with him. We're talking about 88% only from that half of youth in the United States that pray at least weekly, once a week. Whoa. Read the scripture on their own at least once a week and believe Jesus is the son of God. So basic, believe the forgiveness of sin is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. Believe the Bible is the word of God. Now think about it. This is the six traits to characterize a committed Christian. And on that huge group, half of the youth population or the teens, when I say teens, it means 13 to 19 um, of the United States. How many of you guys feed yourself on the group of 13 to 19 years old in the room. One hand up. Let me see. Okay, so uh, it says that half of us here, okay, I'm sorry, not half, I'm sorry, 8% of us here, 8%, only 8%, actually uh, practice or, or have these six traits. But like, isn't that supposed to be Christian? And that's, that's the point. Like, there are a lot of nominal so-called fake Christians in America. Like we, they call themselves Christians, 50% of the whole teens or 13 to 19 years old people in the United States call themselves Christians, but only 8% of that half population keeps that practices. Next one, let me see the next one. All right, while we have these characteristics on, um, in terms of Christianity, now this is the percentage in the world about suicidal thoughts by age. So we're thinking on, uh, let me see if I can get that. It says that about 30 
something percent of the whole population of the United States. Oh, there you go. 35% of 13s to 19s in the U.S. reported having suicidal thoughts in the past three months. Now, this 35% includes church people, includes that those called Christian teens. Okay, that's it. I think that's it, right? Yeah, next one now. Let's go to the verse in uh, Mark chapter 10. Now, when I saw that statistics, those statistics, what came to my mind is what the, the surprise one of the, five, of the six traits taught. It's like it's lacking commitment. And I was praying, I was thinking, I was, you know, coming to my brain library, like what would be the message that could stir commitment? engagement vision focus again because uh, i know a lot of people and uh, mainly we here in florida that lives in the bible belt you guys georgian people too uh, we are in the bible belt so we probably going to find more than 50 percent of the teens calling themselves christians but we know that is lacking commitment so this is the text that came to my heart mark chapter 10 verse 17 and like you saw in your bible the scholars and the historians, they call this guy a young man. So it is about us. It is about young people now. And the Bible says, verse 17, As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now pay attention. He wants to do something to experience fulfillment, satisfaction, purpose, sense of existence. So I, I think about what is missing to make people commit themselves to Christ. Is it about fear? Maybe it's because if I commit with God, God is going to, you know, put myself into these, you know, wacky, crazy people in the church and you're gonna make me marry an ugly man or a horrible woman and I, I'm afraid of God you know forcing me to restrain my uh, young and youth ears and, and, and now I have to renounce my pleasures and I'm in my party years I'm in college time I don't want to renounce that maybe it's about doubts in other words a lot of you guys I can say the majority of so-called Christians in America, they say, is that really real? Is that really something genuine? Is not I'm pretending myself or forcing my feelings into the, the songs and with this, you know, angelical voice that just like blow up the ceiling today. So that's why I felt these goosebumps today. Or is this just a me pretending or, you know, faking some sentiments and feelings in order just to fit in into this group? Is this really genuine? Maybe I'm just, you know, being brainwashed or maybe I'm just being uh, uh, forced into this structure of religion that my parents, you know, inherited to me. A lot of people maybe just because of distractions. I don't commit because there are better things to do out there. Don't you know that now we have Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Netflix, give me more, YouTube TV. We have a new Star Wars series. Come on, Star Wars fans. I'm a Star Wars fan. So there are so many things to watch and be tuned in. And, and, and there are so many distractions. No, maybe people are not committing. I'm calling Christians. 
I'm calling us, Bible Belt people are calling us, Georgians and Floridians, to like why we call ourselves Christians, but only like less than like the one third of us Christians are uh, abiding on these basic traits of commitment, of belief. Maybe it's because of lack of time. I have to finish my school years. I have my college career. I'm, you know, looking just to pay this loan or buy that car. But back on our minds, the problem is that we think that we have the luxury of living this lukewarm and slack Christian life. An author that wrote Normal Christian Life, he defines normal Christian life as a life that is consecrated, that passed through death and resurrection and entered in the reality of the new creation. It is a life that no longer lives to, our, to ourself or to oneself, but to Christ, because now Christ have, has full authority over the one's life. Is, this is what this author defined as normal Christian life. And some of us say, no, I'm just a normal Christian. And you label yourself as normal Christian normality as this lukewarmness appearance or this, this slack and shallow life. It's just like you touch, we touch you and the consistency of your character in your Christianity is just like a foam. There's no density. There's no content inside. It's just, again, it's just bubbles. It's just soap bubbles. Like you touch it and it disappears. And there's no consistency there. But the normal Christian life should consist in a consecrated life that passed through death, the resurrection, and entered in the new creation reality. It is a life that no longer lives to ourselves, but to Christ, because Christ has full authority over our lives. And that's where I want to align your focus here, because I see this guy, this young man approaching Jesus, and he seems to have a apparently nominal Christianity or religiosity. And he comes to Jesus with all this appearance, right? This, this social media uh, profile, very high uh, standards. And he starts to talk with Jesus. He kneels before Jesus and he presents himself with this appearance of humility, calling Jesus good teacher. What must I do? Tell me what I should do. What must I do? And again, it's all about religion. Religion is do something to earn something from God. If I'll be more biblical words, I'll use the law standards or the law mindset. It's all about this bargain with God. Let's balance the scale. I do something for you, God. And now, God, you have to. You, you are in the, in the obligation on to bless me. And this, this boy come to Jesus with these standards. There is no faith. There is no relationship. I like the definition that Christianity is not about religion. It's all about relationship. But it's also about the right faith. It's not about performance. And honestly, some people are pretty good on doing things. But they do, they do not count that their best endeavors are never enough. 
Like if they look to themselves, they will realize that it's still lacking something. Like I do things online, I do some things for God, I come to church, you know, I, I have the Christianese language and I, I am, I'm kind of mingle around with the, the evangelical people. I, I know how to behave among my Christian friends and I again keep myself into that, uh, you know, that circle and spinning the road. But honestly, I still lacking something. That's why he says, I want to do something. It's still, I'm missing something here, good teacher. That's why I'm coming to you because the religion... It's not been enough. I'm still hollow inside. I'm still empty inside. There's something else that I'm missing here. That's why this boy come to Jesus. Because if religion will be enough, he'll be probably never come to Jesus. Yeah. And, and that's why, again, you, some of you guys come just because of religion. But I believe we enjoy movement. We Vine Church, we people that are passionate, radical, free radicals for God, for God we, we are thirsty for reality. Amen. I know that some people again come, keeps, keeps coming in our live groups, in our services because of religiosity. But I believe you comes because you know there's something else. Yeah. More than just lights and songs and goosebumps. There is real thing here. Yeah. And again, this boy, he was performing pretty good. A lot of us know how to perform pretty good. But we know like Isaiah 54 says, verse 6, We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind take us away. So inside of our hearts, this desire of doing something is, is because it is not enough. We need grace. We need reality. Yes. Verse 18, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And here's the first point I want to emphasize. I know that... Again, some people come for religiosity. Some people are coming pursuing that reality. But some of you guys keeps coming. Some of you guys keep coming because you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Now pay attention on that because this is one of my favorite verses. It says in Psalm 34 verse 8, Oh, taste and see. Oh, Ta'am is the word taste. Ta'am in Hebrew is this savoring. It's the actual verb of putting your mouth and experiencing the flavors and, and the, the taste of the food itself. Yes. Now, I like the fact that we can call a good food a good food, a tasteful food. I just, I, I, I wish that I just have a five guys bird in front of me right now because it's so good. Now, we, we qualify food as good but the the word good here cannot be be used the adjective good here cannot be used for um food it's is the is the adjective related to the quality of goodness now it's interesting because now the psalmist plays with the words he says like you should savor you should taste the flavor of the attribute of the goodness of god now pay attention Yes, there is a sense, there is a 
feeling aspect on the challenge here, on the dare here, right? But there is one aspect that has to do with your personal daily experience with the goodness of God. That is really good. God is really, really good. And you have to experience and see that the Lord is really, really good. I think that this is one of the main reasons why we don't see much passion and intensity among us. Lack of real experience with the goodness of God. Actually, the research proved that. 42%, put me in the slide, please. 42%, one that has many squares. No, the one that has many squares. Uh, I'm going to, there was one over here. Many blue squares. There's many information in that slide. It says that 42% of the research people would change their mind about Christianity if they had a personal experience such an answer to prayer. And I, I agree with that because that really marked my life. When I realized that God listens my prayers, that God is real, that I can, you know, really ask God and He will fulfill His promises. I love to be just like lost in worship and suddenly God invades the room and He speaks directly to us just just like God did today to me and Pastor Tudor. But I know God has is speaking to you personally. He has promised to fulfill in your life. And you will experience this coming to pass. But you have to have this, this leverage, this testimony background. You have to look at back in your life and look and say, God was, God is, and I know He will always be good. God is fulfilling His promises in the past. I'm enjoying His protection, His joy, His fulfillment now. And I know God, I'll marry with the most beautiful woman in this room. Hallelujah, Jesus. I will see the promise coming to pass in my life. Verse 19, Jesus came to him and says, no, You know the commandments. Do not murder, verse 19. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. In verse 19 of Mark chapter nine, uh, 10. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Now look at the verses. The verses are, are pretty much the most known and general moral standards of a good citizen. The parallel version of the same block of story in Matthew Chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, it's pretty interesting because even the number of the verses are very similar with Mark chapter 10. It says, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. Verse 18, and Jesus said, and he said to Jesus, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear witness, honor your father and your mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And now in our times, probably going to say, just don't smoke vape or just don't watch so much pornography. We're going to have our small little moral list that we're going to put it over here. And Jesus used that simple, I can say, easy to fulfill or easy to obey commandments because, again, it's obvious that if you want a safe life, 
you're not going to go to the neighbor and steal their stuff. Like, if you want a safe life, you don't want to commit adultery. He, he, actually, the guy that, you know, probably you steal the, the girlfriend, he might kill you. So you don't want to do that. It, like, you don't want to bear false witness. If you keep a life full of lies, the lies will caught you up in one moment or another. Not false witness. Definitely, if you want to receive the blessings of your parents, you want to honor your father and your mother. And Jesus used those commandments because every moral person in somehow they are proud of, I'm a good citizen. I can do that. I actually can abide on these commandments. So Jesus began with the easy ones that most moral people already abide by those practice. And that is another reason why many lack passion and commitment. Because they think they were born into the church. They were already raised up by good parents that gave them good moral standards. They are good to go. They are satisfied. They are, you know, in good standards. It's, if it's all about that, that's okay. The problem is that their petty, respectable, moral list of do and don'ts is not bringing life. So don't forget that this boy, he actually came to Jesus doing this stuff, right? Abiding by this moral list, but he's still asking for life. Jesus, I want genuine life. Like I'm doing my religious part, but I still missing something here. Verse 20, and he said to him, teacher, all this I have kept from my youth. The parallel version in Matthew says, what do I still lack? He makes the question, what I'm missing here that I still empty inside. What I'm, I'm missing here because I do that and I don't experience life. I have so much to say to this boy because you can see his pretentious heart here. Like I, I, my answer for him, like for these simple questions, what do I still lack? I'll be ready to answer. Oh, you lack humility, boy. You lack authenticity, boy. You lack genuineness. You lack modesty. Look how you come to me. You really think you are perfect. And by the way, because maybe we were forced into this uh, exaggerated, unbalanced social media, online life, suddenly we saw this pandemic, not of COVID, but a pandemic of megalomania coming over so many people. A lot of people develop this grandiose delusion that make them think that about themselves much higher than the reality is. Because finally I got my 100 followers in social media. I am someone. And what do I lack? What do I lack now? Because I have my 50 followers or my 50 likes or whatever people do in social media. Nothing against social media, but everything against social media. Because, again, it creates this false sense of satisfaction that endures few seconds. It just, like, gives you that small drug experience that you belong to something, that you are really something right now because somebody liked you. 
Somebody followed you. And again, creates this delusion that you lack nothing, but it's still empty. That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 3, I just want to align this. Because I don't want you to come and think that ministry, being a disciple, is about having followers in social media, guys. It's very important you understand that. The motto of our church is to be a church that make disciples who make disciples. And some of our youth in our church are misunderstanding that, taking our statement. And that's why we made it clear. We stretched a little bit more this year. We said in our church, we want to make disciples who make disciples through life groups. Because we want to make clear that it's not about you having followers in the internet. Because having social media followers, it doesn't mean you have disciples that it doesn't mean that you are making disciples like you really have to come to this realization and that's why paul says by the grace given to me romans 12 3 i say to everyone among you do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think isn't that a good twitter statement like i love that like it is so true there are so many people thinking more highly about themselves than they ought to think. It's just because whatever, you know, this phenomenon in society created. It's, it's, I think I blame social media. I blame this forceful coming into. So, I, I told this to my, the pastors a few weeks, a few months ago, that a lot of pastors, they, they finally had cameras toward them. And they were, they were used to just, you know, counsel, um, you know, make visits and sit in, the, in their office and have one-on-one -on -one relationships. But now they have cameras, right? And they, they just got drunk with the lights and with the potential of having, you know, the world following them. Honestly, I think what keeps me uh, humble is that I really don't care if, you know, someone in Brazil, in Venezuela, in Korea, it's following me. I care if people of Southwest Florida is listening to me. I just want to make sure that I am faithful to what was given and trusted to me. And I'm not responsible right now for everything that's going on in Pakistan. Definitely, I have a burden. I pray. I offer. We give our finances directly to our missionaries. But my responsibility on that day is the church that got entrusted to me in the southwest Florida. And I want to make sure that I don't have internet followers, but I will present disciples of Christ on that day. So I don't want to, I don't want to think highly about myself that I ought to think. So, uh, again, let's align, let, let's, let's correct this, this megalomania problem that, you know, suddenly social media created. Just, just be faithful to what is given to you. I don't want you dream small. I just want to make sure that you don't, uh, you know, stumble like this boy. What do I still lack? What do I still lack? I, I'm, you know, I'm famous. I have people following me. Don't you know me, dude? No, I don't know you. And I don't care who you are. But everybody knows me in the internet. No, nobody knows you. You think they know you. But nobody knows you. But to think with sober judgment, the text says. Let's keep in Romans 12, verse 3. Because it's, 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 there's more think there. Don't he, but to think with sober judgment 
each according to the measure of faith. Everybody says measure of faith. Measure. Now this, this is what it matters. It's your faith. Come on, somebody. This, it's what it matters. It is not what you said. It's not the, the nice picture you posted. It is about the content, the weight, the density of your faith. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. I'm reading the Good New Translation, GNT translation, who says, Who made you superior? In uh, the ESV says, I'm going to read in the ESV then. For who say, sees anything different in you? Good News Translation says, Who made you superior than others? What do you have that you did not receive it? If then you receive it. So it's an implied question. Let me, let me ask it again. What do you have that you did not receive it? No, 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 Pastor. These sneakers here, I did not receive it. I pay very expensive. In that Chinese website that I just bought. It. It's so like the original pastor, but I know it cost me. Yeah, it cost me one-third of the original price, but it's still very expensive for me. And I did not receive it. Yeah, but like whatever money you got it to buy it is not yours. Whatever energy you spent to work to make that money was not yours. And, and this is the whole reason behind this verse. Like whatever you have, you had received. But also it speaks about your spiritual gifts. It speaks about your personality speaks about whatever you are known by if you have it you had received and this is the conclusion if then you receive it why do you boast as if you did not receive it in other words let us just like be delivered from this i like what i wrote here this grandiose delusion pandemic problem that somehow a lot of people still you know, he's stumbling like this young man. What do I still lack? Come on, boy, you lack a lot. You lack a lot. But th that would be my answer. That would be probably my way to answer to this boy. I don't have the wisdom of Paul. I don't have the loving, caring words of Jesus. And that's what is surprising about this text. And, and that's how I'm going to lead our message to the end. Verse 21. Jesus did not answer like I just answered. Paul did not answer like I just said. Jesus said in verse 21, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Come on, Jesus. Really? You're going to love this haughty, prideful, arrogant boy? Yes, I looked at him, and I love him, the Lord said. And now in this loving way, to this boy that, yes, he was very arrogant. He had his personal agenda. He was playing the religiosity game just to, again, play with his own conscience or maybe just to show off his social media at the time. I don't know what he was doing here. But definitely, Jesus saw a genuine desire. And that would be enough for Jesus to look at him and give him the way out of that emptiness. Now, let me say this again because maybe you are missing my words. I, I, I'm not. Jesus did not rebuke the sinner, the prostitute, the tax collectors, the corrupt politicians. Jesus were really intense and very um, strong and harsh 
with the religious folks, with the, those that, again, pretended to be when they were nothing. But with this boy that, again, came with this shell of religiosity, Jesus could see inside or behind that layer of appearance and saw there was a genuine desire of finding life. So I'm bringing you back to the beginning of the, this text that he made a genuine question for Jesus. I want a life. I just want to experience life. And that's why I'm coming to Life Church. Come on. Hey, hey. That's why I'm coming to, I, I, want, I want this life that you guys, you know, are experience and enjoy. I want this, Jesus. So Jesus could love him. I, I, I'll be honest, probably I will not love him. I'm probably going to be just like, you know, blocked by the, the shell, the, the outward appearance of that arrogance and, and pride. But Jesus saw behind that. He loved him. Love to the point of speaking the truth. The only thing that could deliver that boy from that emptiness was the truth. Yes. It's, like the, it's like the Bible says, the word of God is sharper than two-edged sword that cuts and divides. So I imagine Jesus just like, here it is the truth. Use the sword and cut out your way. You know, get out on your way out of this Again, this empty meaning sense that you brought to yourself. You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Yes. And come, follow me. So pay attention. Many people, it's because the text leads you to, to interpret the, the, the context about greedy, you know, the lack of generosity, and that's right approach. But Jesus makes sure to explain that the way of life, the way of life was first getting out of this definition of identity that you gave to yourself. You have to get out first and later follow me. So pay attention. The place of life is being a disciple. The place, the, 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 the activity the practice of finding life. It is being a disciple of Christ. Follow me. And that's where we're going to find life. Verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, he went away. Come on, dude. Seriously, why did you do that? I gave you the way out. But instead of coming and following Jesus, he went away. Sorrowful. For he had great possessions so the Lord loved the young man regardless he loved you regardless even if you are this again 51% of American young people that call yourself Christians but is not genuine the Lord loves you the Lord knows that you're still coming back because you have one thing genuine there desire for life and God wants you to experience life but how are you going to experience life number one you accept the truth as the truth remember the six traits go back to the six traits I'm going to tell you how I'm going to experience life you experience life 
when you accept the Word of God, where is it? The Bible as the truth. You're going to experience life when you believe that forgiveness of sins is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. You're going to experience life when you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You're going to experience life when you know that God is personal. God is real and genuine and entirely good. And it's not a concept you inherited from your parents. Now you had experienced, tasted, savored the goodness of God. Don't forget that. You're going to experience life when you become a disciple. This is, this is the practical part. When you become a disciple. Right? When you become a disciple. Now, all structures we offer, in the end of the day, honestly, okay? Me, Pastor Marcos, Tulio, whatever, your disciple, your leader. In the end of the day, the only thing, we are just like creating programs and, and activities and conferences and you know, the only thing we want to develop and what we really can help you just to encourage you to be a disciple. Yes. Which is to read the Bible and pray. There's no other way you're going to be a disciple. So pay attention here. There's life for you. There's life for me. Even for us, again, that had spinning the wheel for years. And we're just deceiving ourselves that that will be enough. I'm telling you, no, there is real life awaiting for you let's always stand up this morning I went reading for you guys what Jesus said to the disciples because remember this was a talk to Jesus between Jesus and this random occasional follower that just show up from nowhere a young man that had a desire for life but don't forget that Jesus always had his crew, his staff, his team, his disciple group. And this, the, the disciples listened to the conversation. That's why we had access right now through the book of Mark and later in the book of Matthew as well. Um, and in that conversation, the disciples had insight. They said, all right, Jesus, we are following you. Verse 28. What are we going to have of doing that? And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers and sisters and mothers and father and children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Yes. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions, which by the way gives just more adrenaline in the process. I'm telling you, without persecution, we're just going to be, we'll be in heaven, right? Boring. So we, 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 want, we, want, we want some persecution here. It's part of the process, okay? Yes. Just to give you more adventure sense. And in the age to come, eternal life. Pay attention. In the age to come, eternal life. Do you guys remember the first question that the boy asked? How can I inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him, get out of this bubble, man. Get out of this, you know, fake appearance, this outward, pretentious uh, image that you are holding on in social media or to yourself. Get out and follow me. Now we have a group of, boy, of guys that were following Jesus. And Jesus said, okay, you guys are following me. Get ready. 
there is a lot of joy hundreds of brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and houses with persecution in other words more adrenaline in the process and more than that in the age to come oh there is eternal life so everything everything we experience around us today are, is just a glimpse it's just a drop of what we're going to experience in abundance and measureless without limit on that day oh my heart is in heaven my desire is in heaven my focus is in heaven and that's why heaven can touch me right now give me hundreds of brothers and sisters that's why now while I'm on earth God can touch my life and give me meaning give me joy give me adrenaline persecution and adventure and dreams oh God touch us today.